In a fluorescent-lit cafeteria, I saw a man approach another man and punch him in the face. There were a few people at tables nearby, and they moved clumsily away from the violence. The two men grappled with each other, holding each other closely, trying to free their arms for long enough to scratch or to butt each other's heads, spitting at each other, grunting. Then there was a commercial break. I saw a man holding up a product that was colorful and appealing. Text scrolled beneath the product. The text was confusing, but still I found it appealing. There were many exclamation points. At the end of the commercial, there were flashing lights and throbbing music. The product cost $20, which seemed like a reasonable price. Next, I watched as two bad people burst into the cockpit of an airplane and overpowered the pilots. There were knives and guns, and many of the passengers began to hyperventilate. At one point, the cabin lost pressure, and one of the windows shattered. There was a lot of wind, and some of the people on the plane, including one of the bad people, were lifted off of their feet. For a moment, they seemed to levitate there above the chaos. There was a lot of screaming. Then there was a commercial break, in which a cartoon mouse danced around a mountain of soft cheese. The top of the mountain burst like a volcano, and bright orange cheese dribbled down the sides like lava. The mouse was not afraid. It scurried to the cheese lava and lapped it up with a tongue that seemed disproportionately long. Trumpet music began to play. The perspective shifted, and I understood instantly that this entire scene was being played out on the top of an old person's head. The old person was lying in a hospital bed. A doctor entered the room and announced that the old man's illness had been cured. He produced a small plate of cheese, and then there was confetti and glitter. One container of cheese cost five dollars, but it was cheaper to buy in bulk. Next, I saw black and white film footage of soldiers running across big open fields with explosions detonating all around them. Then there was a scene in a makeshift hospital where nurses attended to wounded men with all sorts of injuries, from burns and lacerations to head wounds and missing limbs. Some of the men had bandages wrapped around their eyes, so I guess they had been blinded. The nurses kept walking up to everybody with bowls of water, and they would dab the wounded men's bodies with folded up cloths. Now and then, an explosion from outside the tent would light everything up and jolt the men so that they almost fell off of their cots. Then there was a commercial break. I saw a man wearing glasses with blue-tinted lenses. His head revolved all the way around, and the background changed colors from red to green to purple. Then his head detached from his body, and it floated up out of the scene. It appeared outside of a corporate-looking building, just floating in the air, and the man looked hard through his glasses at a brick wall. In a couple of seconds, the brick wall seemed to disintegrate, and the man could see through to an important meeting being conducted by executives in suits. Then the man's head appeared in a grocery store, and he used his glasses to see what was inside of people's pocketbooks and backpacks. Then his head floated over the ocean, and he used his glasses to see creatures swimming around in the deep. Text flashed across the screen. The glasses cost $50, and all sales were final. Once purchased, they couldn't be returned. Next, I saw a man in a gymnasium holding a person at gunpoint. 
The person held his hands in the air and pleaded with the man to let him go. Then another person entered the gym, and he put his hands up too. Then another person entered. Each time someone entered, they gathered with the others and held up their hands. The man with the gun remained steady and directed people where to stand by pointing his gun around. This continued for a long time until eventually the gymnasium was more than half full of frightened people. The man pointed his gun at the large crowd and told everyone how to behave and where to stand. After a while, the crowd got so large that they had to move outdoors. The man told everyone to file outside to the athletic fields, and by the evening there must have been 5,000 people standing there, listening intently to the man with the gun, trying to follow his directions, trying to do exactly what he said so that they would not be injured or killed. This continued throughout the night, and by the time the sun rose the next morning, the mass of people being held at gunpoint had spilled beyond the borders of the town and into the neighboring municipalities. The man with the gun had built a makeshift tower out of scaffolding so that he could climb up to a certain height and keep the crowd in order. Each time he threatened to use his gun, the crowd became quiet and submissive. By the time a week had passed, the man with the gun had begun to use a helicopter to fly over the crowd, which now covered thousands of square miles. He shouted through a bullhorn and waved his gun around. The crowd listened closely to his directions and tried their hardest to do exactly what he said. The crowd now extended beyond where the man could see, but he just kept barking out orders and making threats through his bullhorn. Then there was a commercial break. You've been listening to the Benji section. For more information and to subscribe to the podcast, please visit thebenjisection.com.